Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy K. Part. You're listening to episode 13, titled Three Lessons from Prolonged Grief. We've been on a little break from new episodes, just taking our own advice to create margin in our lives, a necessary gift of rest to myself, especially during the holidays. But this week, we're back with a conversation about what happens when grief lingers a little longer than we'd hoped. This past week was an anniversary I loathe, but still celebrate. Nine years ago, my husband's best friend died after a very difficult battle with a brain tumor. His wife and children are still dear friends and live nearby. And over the course of the last nine years, I've learned a few life-altering lessons about traumatic loss, life, and love. So I want to spend a few minutes today sharing those lessons with you because this is the kind of loss humans do not know how to navigate. As grievers, our losses never leave us. There is some resolution and often restoration, but that doesn't mean we no longer have heavy, horrible days to mark on the calendar. But when grief endures like love, the world needs a definition. Recently, the phrase prolonged grief came into play. And no less than five of my friends sent me the same article about prolonged grief, which felt wonderful. The article didn't present anything new conceptually, but the phrase prolonged grief is new, at least in the medical profession. So let me explain. Previously, the diagnosis of prolonged grief was termed complicated grief. I have a lot of issues with this phrase because it suggests that grief is a disorder that needs fixing, along with this idea that something is wrong with us. But of course something is wrong. We're brokenhearted. We've lost something or someone central to our lives, to our identities, to who we are, and making sense of life in the aftermath is confusing at best. There are many people I know who actually appreciate the acknowledgement and inclusion of grief as a disorder because it does make a little sense for them of what just seems confusing. However, I do believe that labeling grief as a medical condition distracts us from the reality that grief is a part of life. It's completely typical, fully expected, and natural to grieve deeply, even for the long haul. I think what helps us more is fewer diagnoses and more education and honest, awkward conversation about loss, death, dying, recovery, and all of the pain in between. Because what happens after the immediacy of our loss is that we are suddenly face-to-face with so much more than we expect. So much more than we expected. Grievers carry the burden of a multitude of secondary losses, especially years down the road, And unless you've experienced the death of a close loved one, you may not understand what secondary losses are and how impactful they can be on your daily life. But that's exactly it. Secondary losses are not easily explained away as complicated or prolonged. To me, all grief has a potential to interrupt our ability to navigate our lives, to interact with others, and to find joy in the daily moments. We are a culture obsessed with good vibes, affluency, prosperity, and wishful thinking. But these principles neglect the reality of life, that it is complicated and often feels prolonged when the circumstances are not so pleasant. But life is worth all of the discomfort and awkwardness that comes with it. And I believe more grief literacy will equip us as humans to navigate our losses differently and with more intention. 
Just like the article mentioned above points out, when grievers were given a sort of diagnosis, when their ongoing pain was given a name, they felt seen. They were no longer alone. And they realized others were starting to understand what they themselves were still going to be working and learning about for the rest of their lives. Helping others to see grievers and how the loss continues years down the road is bringing healing to our broken hearts. So that's exactly why we're going to talk about it today. The simple act of continuing to acknowledge a loss, even a decade after the event itself, continues our internal restoration. New awareness leads us to making new decisions and taking new actions, and that will lead us to prolonged healing as well. So to that end, I want to present three somewhat simple lessons from the last decade that I've taken from walking alongside my beautiful friend and her children as they make sense of their loss. Lesson one, life goes on and so does our loss. As my friend will tell you, she didn't get much of a choice in how life happened around her. When her husband died, I know she was not ready to raise two little kids on her own. She relied on those of us in her community and close circle of friends, her family, and her in-laws. We rallied like wildfire around her and the kids, wrapping them in love and meals and financial support. But as the months passed, the support dwindled, as it does. That's no surprise. But what came as a surprise was realizing how alone life feels when the onslaught of supporters grows thin. The ongoing loss isn't just the realization that our person is gone, but that Somehow, our other people are gone as well. The friends you double-dated with suddenly don't call anymore. The bills continue to pile even after the fundraisers have ended. So what do you think? This is not a rhetorical question. I would love to hear your thoughts about this. Is it reasonable to believe that the people who came alongside us in our loss will continue alongside us as we overcome and survive the rest of our lives? Because I would argue, yes, it's completely reasonable. Not everyone, of course, but the core few, absolutely. And although that probably looks different to everyone, I would argue it looks like continuing to live alongside them as you always have, showing up, celebrating the highs, and standing near to commiserate the lows, holding space, asking questions, allowing big emotions, and remaining present no matter how uncomfortable you may feel. Lesson two, notice the special things and make sure they happen. I will never forget that for one meal, I made my famous, absolutely delicious chicken soup. It's never quite the same because I don't have a recipe written down, but my friend doesn't care. The first time she tasted it, it reminded her of a safe and happy time in her life. And so now, whenever comfort or even just acknowledgement is needed, I know I can bring this soup to her door. It also brings a reminder that she's not carrying these heavy things alone. Other special things you can remember are the little traditions from their person and make sure they come to pass. One friend of mine mentioned that her person would give a litany of birthday gifts in the week leading up to the big day itself. So when I encouraged her to ask another friend to do the same thing, her friend was all too happy to make that happen. Sometimes grievers don't know to ask for what they need, or sometimes it's too much extra work to figure out what that might be. So if you're willing to say, let me know what you need, 
then be on the lookout for those special moments that maybe aren't foundational needs, but still make the biggest difference. Lesson three, do not avoid anniversaries. In the year my mom died, everything became an anniversary. I didn't realize that would happen until I was assessing all of my own secondary losses, all the things and places in life that were no longer an option now that she was gone. That year, I actually met a new friend who had also lost her mom a few years before. She met me between the months of my mom's passing and my own birthday. And despite being a brand new friend, she showed up on my birthday. She brought thoughtful, sweet, wonderful gifts, but mostly she brought the acknowledgement that this too was a new anniversary. This was the first birthday without my mom in the world. I was gearing up for it to be an awful day, and yet because someone knew how to love me, even though she was new in my life, I was able to recognize the pain I felt without allowing it to consume the day itself. No one wants to allow grief to overtake milestones and future memories, but because our losses are often ongoing, we grievers can feel like drowning even as they approach. Doing your best to get into the trenches with us, as long as we're cool with it, is an act of generosity you can only understand if you've experienced the gift of presence from another at some point in your life. Grief sucks. There's never a day that grief will feel awesome, but it can feel different with time and intention and people who make it their business to get uncomfortable on our behalf. As grievers, we want to know that even as our losses go on, our lives are not forgotten by everyone around us because they're too scared to show up in the middle of our messy, hurting life. We notice that time is passing, that the person is still here, fighting to be seen, known, and loved. We recognize little things that make their day brighter, and for the love, we celebrate the worst days with them so that they can always remember they are not celebrating or mourning alone. Thank you for listening to episode 13 of Restorative Grief. These three lessons are only scratching the surface of what we can learn from paying attention to the ongoing losses around us. With every day, there seems to be yet one more thing, if not many, that grieve our already tender hearts. But if you really want to be a person who can recognize ongoing grief and show up for someone, then you have to start with how you approach your own losses. Do you practice compassion toward yourself? Are you able to see your brokenhearted places and offer mercy? Or are you too busy pretending you're fine and muscling through? Are you honest with the safe people in your life when they ask what you need? Or do you believe that no one is safe? Are you the person willing to be a safe place for another to land? Then be generous with your own heart when you too need a little more tenderness. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.